Well, happy December, everyone. If you are listening to this episode when it premieres, it is the first full week of December 2021. And one of the things I most look forward to this time of year is Christmas music. Many of the radio stations around our area switch to all holiday programming, and many streaming providers offer all Christmas music stations. If you've been around a few years, you probably have your holiday favorites. Year after year, we hear the voices of Perry Como, Bing Crosby, Michael Buble, Mariah Carey, Kelly Clarkson, and many others that belt out the most often played versions of our favorite holiday tunes. This year, I've been trying something different. I've been looking for different arrangements of some of the most familiar tunes, versions that are perhaps rarely listened to or you could say, even are underappreciated. I think of Ella Fitzgerald and her swinging rendition of Sleigh Ride. Then there's Elvis Presley's stirring version of Silent Night. There's so many more. I've enjoyed having a playlist that runs including some of these less-played versions of these songs. It really would seem more appropriate that some of the world's biggest names in music would have their versions at the top of everybody's playlist, right? But I can't help but think about that first Christmas, the night Jesus was born. He really deserved to be born with pomp and circumstance and fanfare and celebration and the amount of recognition and, to be honest, playtime that some of these top-named musicians get. But God had other plans, arrangements that on the surface seemed to give a sense of underappreciation. I'm sure most of us know the story well. We hear it each year at Christmas, but how many of us really allow our familiarity with the story to lose the wonder of the circumstances behind Christ's entry into the world. It's a story that should always amaze and yet humble us. He was born in a stable and laid in a manger. So why did God allow his son to have such a humble, and to be very honest, obscure birth? The Lord knew it was coming and could have made reservations in the finest of hotels, if they'd existed at the time or at least the Motel 6 or something. Instead, Jesus was welcomed into the world with, sorry, there's no room for you here. As I said before, when you truly start looking at the events, though, you can see that this was a divine arrangement. On the surface, it appeared as if the events surrounding Jesus' arrival were underappreciated, but the reality is that God orchestrated all of the circumstances surrounding his arrival. When we consider the life of Jesus, his death, his mission, and his ministry, we should recognize that the circumstances surrounding his birth were simply the perfect introduction. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 2, where the moment is recorded. I'll pick up in verse 4, right after it's noted of Caesar Augustus commanding a census of the people. This is the amplified version. It says this, So Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register with Mary, who was betrothed to him and was with child. While they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her son, her firstborn, and she wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no private room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. To me, one of the striking things about Luke's account 
is how simple it is in contrast to really how great the events are. No fireworks, no red carpet, no live media coverage from worldwide news organizations. Today, even the smallest of events or most insignificant of news stories seem to get blown up into an inflated overstatement of what they truly are, thanks to the news and social media and many other things. But look at this event on the flip side of that. This most amazing event is presented in such an understated manner, almost like God was saying, here you go, world, my son. And the event spoke for itself. Think about what Mary must have been thinking or feeling during all of this, especially in the night Jesus was born. She was in a different place, essentially separated from all of her family, knowing she was about to bring the Savior into the world. And think of how and where Jesus was laid, wrapped in swaddling cloths, not cashmere or wool or velvet, and laid in a manger, a feeding trough for animals. And of all the places there could have been room, there was no room at the inn. Many scholars believe this was a symbolic version of what was to happen to Jesus, symbolizing that he came to this earth to end up only in one place, and that was on a cross. And all the people to tell about this historic event. It wasn't the world's top news reporters, kings, pharaohs. It was an angel who brought good tidings, which literally means that they preached the gospel to the shepherds, who were regarded by many as social outcasts. The fact is this. God knew the plan. He knew the people who were going to be involved. He knew the timing. He knew the places. He arranged the plan. I think there's a lot for us to learn from this and why what seems underappreciated was really history-changing. I think the biggest is the fact that sometimes, well, actually many times, we need to embrace humility instead of pomp and circumstance. Oftentimes, we look for recognition for a job well done, a raise in stature for hard work, elevation for the good we do in the world. And I'm not saying those things aren't nice and sometimes good for improving morale and keeping people positive. However, we shouldn't do things, especially things for the kingdom, with a mindset of personal gain or personal praise, but instead with a mindset of humility. I talk a lot about being a teacher. I know a lot of teachers who, maybe not so much nowadays, but at one point got into this profession so they could have their summers off. And I hear a lot of comments from people who aren't teachers who say that We shouldn't talk about how hard it is to be a teacher because we literally don't work three months out of the year. But the fact is that I and probably 99.9% of my colleagues didn't go into this profession to be praised and lauded. We did it to make a difference. When you hear people slam the job you do or say that you have it easy, it's very humbling. There's many days I come home tired and frustrated and working hours at night, but I don't do this job for me. I believe it's my calling, and I do it to make an impact in the lives of the young people that I interact with on a daily basis. To hear stories from students 10 years after they've graduated about what a difference you made in their lives, how they remember what you taught them, and more importantly, remembering how you taught them, speaks volumes and is incredibly humbling. God could have said, All right, world, listen up. My son is coming tonight, and we're going to throw the biggest party ever. Big welcome party with a light show in the sky, the best food. But we know he took the humble approach. And that 
spoke volumes. Jesus was born to humble people. Mary responded humbly when the angel came. It says in Luke 1.38, this is the NIV, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. It's hard to imagine how Mary could have demonstrated more humility. His birth was announced to humble shepherds. His birthplace was, as the song Birthday of a King says, a humble birthplace. Isn't it fascinating to consider that God took the most spectacular event and clothed it in the deepest of humility? And going along with humility, another thing I think it's important for us to focus on here is how effective simplicity is. Sometimes we as humans tend to overcomplicate things. We think of the word simplicity as, you know, something that's too basic or or too simple to define the word literally with its own word. But I think about the song, The Heart of Worship, that I've sung countless times in a worship service, and the lyrics in that that remind us that regardless of how we do things, it's so important for us to focus on the why and truly to focus on the basics of what we're doing. And please don't hear me incorrectly. There's something to be said about putting forth our best and excellence and doing things to the utmost top level. But how many places, workplaces, schools, public groups, forget about the simple, forget about the root of why they exist and just focus on the flashy. This time of year, we're bombarded by stores and advertisers wanting us to buy their stuff. It's clear the message they're sending out is that in order to have Christmas, we have to buy more. While gifts and holiday gatherings are things we enjoy about Christmas, the real meaning behind Christmas is really simplicity. You see, God chose to bring his son into this world by very simple means. And it's in this simplicity that we must keep our priorities focused on eternal things. So let's get back to that concept of underappreciated arrangements. The word underappreciated means not valued or appreciated highly enough. How often do we take for granted some of the things we have or experiences we go through or people we have in our lives because we see them as something that is routine or expected? How often do we give things less the value they deserve just because they don't have that wow factor or that glitz and glam. Every time I unpack my holiday decorations from my classroom at school, I'm reminded of many years ago when I received a handmade gift from one of my students. It was a handmade ornament made of some pretty rustic materials and was really wrapped in haphazard wrapping. But I could tell you, from the minute that child came to my door, I could sense the pride and excitement with which this gift was made wrapped, and shared. I expressed my sincerest gratefulness. The ornament was beautiful, and this child smiled from ear to ear and left with a sense of excitement. Don't get me wrong. I'm appreciative of any token of of appreciation or any gift that I receive, especially at the holidays. But there was something about this ornament that made it special. The care and the time And the thoughtfulness that went into making it was undeniable. You could tell from the minute the kid walked to the door. And how easy would it have been for me to just put it aside and dismiss it as just another gift or not put it on the tree because maybe it didn't shine like the other bulbs did? How easy is it for us to stick with the routine? 
to accept only the familiar and to celebrate only the things that bring pomp and circumstance. Echoing back to last month's theme of thankfulness, how many things do we have in our lives that we just pass off because they've become routine or we'll always expect that they'll be there? Maybe out of assumption or out of expectation. How many of those things, those arrangements that are made for us, have become underappreciated? I saw on Facebook recently of somebody complaining because the discount they had always been given at a place they went to wasn't being given now because of prices increasing and various things happening within the business. The discount was a gift being given to them, and the business couldn't just continue to sustain that when being hit hard financially and having some staffing issues. And how did this person handle it? The first thing they did was complain about it on Facebook. What about our kids? How many times do our kids forget to say please and thank you? Or just assume we'll continue to do things for them? Think of college students. How many get wrapped up in their new and exciting academic worlds and just assume that mom and dad will be the ones to always call or to always deposit the spending money when they need it? On that quiet night so many years ago, God orchestrated the perfect series of events all according to his perfect plan, with care, excitement, and with a heart to save the world. How many of us have been waiting for the big flashy thing, or the billboard, or someone or something literally yelling at us when the perfect series of events for our lives has already been orchestrated, and it's right in front of us, according to his perfect plan? One of my favorite scriptures ever, Hits that very point. Jeremiah 29.11, which says this. This is the NIV. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. But it's the verses that follow that remind us to give the appreciation due and seek out the help of the ultimate helper and his plan for our lives. Verses 12 and 13 say this, Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. May we take time this season to slow down, to pray, to reflect, and to spend more time appreciating the underappreciated arrangements. I opened today talking about underappreciated arrangements of Christmas songs. Do you have some favorite versions of carols or holiday songs that maybe aren't sung by the most popular artists? If you do, I would love to hear what you're listening to this time of year and add it to my playlist. You can connect with me on Instagram at QOnQ, or you can connect with us through our website, QOnQ.com or BrianQuery.com. I also have a playlist of some of my favorite underappreciated arrangements that I put together. It's on YouTube, and you can find the link to it through our website. As always, I really do appreciate you taking time to listen. Hope you're having the most blessed of holiday seasons, and we will see you back here next time when we'll have more for you on cue.